0: friends, welcome back to the podcast. I am Jodi Grimm and I am the girl who says what everyone is thinking, unapologetically myself, as often as possible. I am here to laugh with you and have real conversations about all that life throws at us. I want to encourage you to own who you are, but not settle for it, to keep growing in your tenacity and your strength of character. The goal of this podcast is still the same three seasons in, that you will laugh, cry, and be challenged Mostly that you will realize you are not alone in your struggles or your dreams. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. You know, I titled this episode Just Start, Season 3, Episode 1 in my Google Docs, because that's what I would tell you to do. And it has been about a hot minute since. Well, I let season two just fade into the abyss and then threw up a random episode in August. So if there's one thing I would always tell other people, it's stop judging yourself and just start, just just take one step, just write one sentence or write the conclusion, whatever makes the most sense to you. But I was thinking yesterday about what I want this podcast to do this year. And I know that when I turn on social media and um, when I look at the world, I literally have to like turn off social media and focus in on my present life. Um, The people I live with, the house I have, the neighborhood I'm in, all the things that bring me joy just because this world feels pretty dire and hopeless. And I can get anxious really quick. And so that's something this year that I want to work through and talk through with all of you because um, I think this is pretty commonplace for most people. And I noticed when I was at the grocery store that Like I wanted to buy a homeless guy's sandwich and I was at Save-On Foods and it was $12. And I just was like, what happened that a sandwich costs $12? Like you can't even beg and buy yourself a sandwich. I just, anyways, enough about that. I just thought we need more hope. We need to laugh. We need to cry. We need to challenge ourselves to grow in our faith, in our love for each other, and in our hope for the future and so I'm really excited to talk to you guys about growing the ability to persevere so we only grow this muscle by going through things and most challenging things in our lives happen organically as in we don't choose them but I have a personality that likes to create these scenarios these challenging scenarios to do this and even when I say it I'm like that sounds so weird and that's probably why i have to beg people to come in the ocean with me and mostly no one ever comes <laughs> but i like to do things to prove to myself that i can still do things so that's me and my personality but i realize this is not what interests most people but i have i realized recently here that i have some interesting examples of when I, when i look back on my life where i believe um god was growing me closer to him and in and through each situation Sometimes out of desperation and sometimes because I bring everything I can't handle in the morning to God in prayer, um, these situations made me stronger and each situation built on the last situation. And so I actually crave these challenges now because these hard times and situations, I love how much they grow me. And so when I'm feeling alone in what I'm going through, God is my clearest, truest source of strength and comfort. And so as cliche as it is, my mess turns into a message and my hardships turn into a stronger ability to rise up to hardships in the future. So that was a lot of words. Hope you're following me. But I think I know what I'm made of and I know the source of all things will provide all my needs remind me of this as the prices continue to soar. Um, But I'm going to take you on a little journey with me. And one of my pet peeves when I listen to a podcast is when someone says, like, I can tell there's more to the story. I was listening to a podcast the other day and the girl was like, I just had a bunch of things happen with my body. And I wanted to be like, no, don't say a bunch of things. List them alphabetically for me. I need to know what exactly you went through. I don't know this woman, but I just want to I was like, was it your vagina? Was it your heart? Like, was it I don't know, autoimmune disease? Like, I want to know what the struggle was. And I think that's what we want as listeners is we want vulnerability, we want honesty when we're listening to a podcast. So I am going to be so honest today. And I hope you laugh and I hope you think. Um, so I've been looking back on the moments, the pivotal moments in my life that have brought about really intense change. And I would encourage you to do that too. Like think back, was it something in college? Was it marriage? Was it not going to college? What, like, what was it? Was it a certain, you know, boss you had that, whatever, what are those, what what pivotal moments in your life or what seasons did you walk through because you couldn't walk around? Um, Because it's really powerful to look back. And as an Enneagram 7, I mostly hate to look back. So this is kind of a funny experience for me. But between the ages of 12 and 22, I went to a funeral every year for someone important in my life. And this was a very special kind of rough as a little person. I remember the first death. I was 12 and my best friend's little brother was 9. And in two weeks, he just died of liver failure. Like they thought it was the flu. It was just horrible and then after that I became the person who went camping with their family and went to the movies with their family as like I'd always been friends with their daughter before but then after it was like there was such a hole there and going through that grief um with them was such a a growing experience for me um and then as that kept going every year initially I was worried that everyone I loved was going to die and leave me all alone and I wondered what on earth could this be preparing me for? I remember thinking that at like twenty, like what does this mean Who, this doesn 't happen and I remember my mom and my sister in law being like i 've never seen a young person experience so much grief and death and, and and go to so many funerals at such a young age and it was like everything like kid my friend fell off a horse and had an a brain or had a a brain aneurysm, and another kid had an um Uh, what is it, an asthma attack on a ski hill. Like it was just crazy. And then of course, like my my one grandma, my nana. And then the last one was four friends or uh, two of my friends got hit by a logging truck. Um, And so it was just, it was so ongoing. But I started like, I started to see what grief had produced in my life. It, It produced appreciation for people, for life experiences that my friends wouldn't get. It made me love deeper and it made me way more committed to being open and vulnerable because I wanted depth in all my relationships because I'm not promised tomorrow. It created a desire to take chances and it honestly, I started to see the benefits of pain and honestly, most importantly, I saw God. I'd grown up in a Christian home, but I saw God on my own in my daily life supporting me caring for me in a way that I can't explain. And it's so interesting because like I felt the Holy Spirit comfort me and I knew I was not alone. And the Bible says, um, God is close to the brokenhearted, and I carry that truth now into every day. So that was a really, that was a really challenging thing in my life, but I'm thankful for what it produced in my life. And, um, okay. So this is so funny. So when I was 21, I signed up to run a full marathon And honestly, I did it to prove so many things to myself, like completing this would make me in some way athletic or that I would get magically way skinnier hips like those runners on TV, obviously, um, that I could eat whatever and however much I wanted if I was a long distance runner. And I remember running a half marathon in Kelowna and the night before, like, I just like, I laugh at my foolishness. I'm like, oh my gosh, face palm, my girlfriend and I. And my parents went out to Earl's and I had their seafood linguine. Like it has got to be like 1700 calories and just eight cups of butter in there. And I did not feel good running the next day, but it was like, I didn't learn. So anyways, the next year I signed up for this full, getting back on track here. Sorry guys. And I had all these ideas of what pushing through this would do. But to paint you a small picture of this hilarious journey, as I look back, I took a clinic through the running room and I joined it by myself because no one ever seems to want to do the things I want to do. And I'm stubborn, so I'll go do them alone. And in my running clinic, there were two instructors. The one was a 60-year-old lady who described herself as a Clydesdale. So she said she was a pretty and slow horse horse and that's how that was her racing style so if you can picture a Clydesdale horse or google it they're those beautiful horses with the long hair on their legs (laughs) made me want to grow my hair out anyways and when I remember kind of almost like secretly rolling my eyes when she said that because I was like okay I'm fast I'm going to be fast um but I didn't train properly and I mostly did the stuff but tried to take the easy road in the days when I would train. And you can't do that with a marathon because honestly, like the day of the marathon, the fact that you didn't train is just revealed. It's just revealing day. And so I think that woman finished the marathon at four hours and 45 minutes and in perfect health and looking good and feeling good. And at 38 kilometers, I had to poop in the bushes and what came out of my body resembled an organ more than anything else. And I finished the marathon at five hours and 25 minutes and there was barely anyone around except my parents and my uncle and I think they'd started taking down some of the marathon paraphernalia and I proceeded to go into the Shaw Conference Center in Edmonton and vomit and poop almost simultaneously. It was a great lesson in motives and abilities actually and there's something about that race, the fact that I ran it to the end obviously risking my life just kidding and I, st- I finally stopped bragging about it because for the first while I would be like guess what I ran a marathon and someone would be like oh how'd you do and then I was like good um I didn't want to be like well it was a pretty messy situation at the end and pretty dire but um I-, I-, I was really proud that I went all the way through it did I learn that you can't undertrain yes did I learn that I can't judge someone um and their choice to run it more slowly with wisdom and experience, yes, um would I ever do it again? Absolutely not. Did I poop my pants and barf at the same time? hundred percent yes. Did I lie on my parents' bathroom floor and think about how people in ancient Greece died after doing a marathon? Yes, and did I think I might die? Most certainly, yes. So I hope that makes you laugh. This is probably I like never tell this story. I've told very few people this story, but I'm like, you know what? If that's what this podcast is about, I'm going to tell you this story. So when I was 21, I booked a trip to Europe with a friend. And I'm not sure if she canceled, like my memory, I do not remember things well. I'm not sure if she canceled before I booked it or if it was right after. I don't know. But regardless, I went to Europe by myself and it was after those friends had died um, from that logging truck. And I had this epiphany that I was like, you know what? Life's too short. I just finished my first, um, my English degree. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to go back. I, or I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to go have a trip. I'm going to go take a trip. So I booked this trip. And I booked it also to go see my my ex-boyfriend who'd passed away his parents lived in Wales and then my my friend who died she had been a nanny in Germany so I had weeks extending but I took a contiki tour as the base for my trip and so it was one of the single best and most profound growing experiences in my life and I was like completely uncomfortable over and over every day but I learned just how brave I was or maybe stupid I don't know I learned that I could do anything you put in front of me and because I think we should laugh whenever possible, I want to tell you how I got the nickname Chucky on this trip. So to like my mom and maybe my sister and maybe my mother-in-law listening, I'm so sorry that this is a true story, but it really is. And thank you mom for your prayers because seriously, that's all. So I was in Amsterdam. I'm on this kentucky tour and I don't know if you know anything about those, but I certainly did not when I purchased my 18 day tour. Um, but Great group of people. Obviously, I don't know them. A lot of them had come with a person. And I, of course, was there by myself, like mingling, making new friends. I think it was night three. And I'm at an internet cafe. And I think we'd all kind of separated off um, before our night feature boat canal tour. And I'm in the internet cafe sending ridiculous updates to all of my friends and family. And have you ever looked back on an email that you wrote to a group of people 20 years ago? Like I definitely overshared, and the list of people that I wrote that email to was so diverse, like oh, I just cringed when I read it because my mom or something had printed them and saved them, and I saw them like five years ago, and I was so embarrassed anyways, it was like it was like my the lady from that I babysat her kids, our pastor, and then it was a whole bunch of family and relatives, and what you learn when you watch somebody else's, the photos of their trip, or they sit you down and talk about it, like how people used to years ago is that no one cares about your trip except you. So remember that if you didn't know that it's the, it's a true thing. Okay. Um, but bearing all of that in mind, all of this emailing had made me very hungry. And I was at a cafe in Amsterdam. So I bought a pot brownie thinking, oh, I'm sure it's mostly just brownie. Um, it was not mostly brownie. This led me pretty quickly after that to, I don't even know how many emails I sent, but it led me to make my next choice, which was obviously hitting up McDonald's for a quarter pounder combo with a coca light. Um, And pretty quickly after this, I had to meet my tour group for this river cruise on the canal. And on said river cruise, there was all you could eat, cheese, beer, and wine, because we were right outside of the town of Edom. So a lot of cheese and I think my brownie had made me extra hungry so I consumed copious amounts of cheese beer and wine and and I was 21 so I probably hadn't had water so all of this cheese and beer and wine made me very sleepy combined with my obviously nutritious dinner and my I don't know pot appetizer (laughs) so on this river cruise the seating is like dairy queen okay so picture booths on both sides of the boat And I was sitting at the table with my friends and I got so sleepy that I just decided to lay down on the bench and rest my head on the bench away from all the people. And I started to not feel so good. But there's nowhere to go on a river cruise. There's no like outdoor platform. It's just this tiny kind of long boat with small windows that you could certainly not stick your head out of. So I laid there with my head down. And I started to barf and barf onto the floor underneath my table. The most unfortunate part of the story is that everyone's coats were under the table and I had no idea. Not long after that, they carried me off the boat and lovingly named me Chucky, and took me back to my hotel and called me that for the rest of the trip. So this is one of my most embarrassing stories, except I mostly don't know any of those people anymore, which is such a gift, but, um, lots of them are still on Facebook, but I hope this makes you laugh really hard because I can't even believe that happened. And I just like, thank you Lord, that nothing happened to me that night with literally a boat full of strangers. Um, but yeah, I think so often we are terrified to make mistakes and take risks and like some of our stupidest things give us the best lessons um and so okay moving on a little more seriously. When I was 36, I accepted my dream job on Vancouver Island, and that meant I had to leave my family behind. My husband to sell the house and feed my kids copious amounts of crackers and cheese and raspberries for dinner, and I had to head off into the unknown. And what I realized pretty quickly was that I was going to be okay. And I I relied heavily on God as I knew that he would be there for me, um, through it all and he was recently I found my prayer journal from that time and it was just incredible to see the ways that God would show up day to day and help me and that's where I always encourage you guys to pray I swear like there are so many people who have no belief in God at all I'm like you just start knocking you just start praying and you will be shocked by what he does in your life so um, I'm sure lots of other moms thought I was crazy I remember thinking moms don't do this like dads take jobs and leave the kids for six months but not moms And so I had obviously, it made me feel really guilty, but I also felt really audacious. Like I knew that I had done things alone in my life before and quickly I didn't remember the Amsterdam story, but I did of course remember that, you know, I had gone to Europe by myself and I had been super brave and I was so proud of that. And so that was just something that built on all of this and and honestly against what everyone would have thought our family came out the other side of that experience of being apart stronger than I ever would have imagined. My husband and I are a better team now. Like we appreciate each other more. It was, and there's so many other layered things in there, but I think you like a woman does everything in the home truly like to do with the kids. And my husband's awesome, but it's just natural that, I take over and do all the things in the kitchen and lots of stuff with the kids. Well, he learned to run all of it. And in so many ways, he was better at running all of it than I was. And I think too, like we would never have known that had we not taken that risk. And so risk versus reward. The reward was huge from that experience. Um, But I think that getting yourself into situations where you can't quit and you can only walk through them is awesome. And I actually think we do this in little minute ways all the time. And it's the power of one more. And, um, the power of one more is actually the most, most incredible personal development book by Ed Milet. And I literally think everyone should read this. It's one of those books where you're like, I need to write that down. I need to write that down. I need to highlight that. I need to put a bookmark here. Um, he just says, take one more step, have one more hard conversation, go, go to work for one more day, go one more day without a drink, Show up and do something for your, something kind for your spouse one more time. Get up one more morning. Run one more kilometer. And if you think you'll just do it one more time, it's amazing what you will start and what you will continue with because it gives you the ability to just make it small and not make it a big deal. Um, so you guys, I've been holding a secret and it's really hard to share this one. Um, I tell no one. And because it's honestly, it's not anyone's business, but it feels inauthentic because if authenticity is the biggest driver of this podcast, I just need to say things out loud sometimes. And so I have an immune system like Superman. My body takes immunity and it goes overboard to make more immunity. So it overproduces antibodies. And in 2021, like most of you, I was faced with the tough choice of whether or not I should get the COVID vaccine so I could travel for my job, take my kids to their activities or go into certain public places. And this year I did, I did not get vaccinated. And to give you some background I've had severe reactions, including I have like a hole sort of in my upper thigh from a tetanus shot at eight months old. I'm extremely anaphylactic to the tetanus shot specifically. And a fun fact that not a lot of people know is that your doctor can actually test your immunity To a whole host of things so if your doctor is willing though that's the first step through blood work it's a great safe way for me to find out what I already have natural immunity to and as a kid I would get these blood tests done because my mom was by no means ever an anti-vaxxer she just wanted to protect her kids Um, my sister had had a reaction as well in kindergarten that was really severe and so she they would test us and they would be like guess what you still have 50 times too much tetanus immunity in your body. It was like my body kept producing it. And so I had COVID in August of 2021 and I paid to get my blood tested to show that I had proof of immunity, but I was quickly aware that the government didn't care about my immunity. And I had to take this shot if I wanted to have the same um, rights as everybody else. And so Um, My doctor told me that I didn't need the shot because I had the immunity, but she she was not allowed to tell me not to take it. And um, she said, I kept saying to her like, okay, but like, what should I do? Like, I I need to be able to go about my life and I need to be able to fly to see my parents if they get sick. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she's like, you don't have a choice. And it looks like you won't have any choices. But she said, one shot might not hurt you, but the second could cause a severe reaction and ongoing shots of the same vaccine could cause death. But I'm not allowed to tell you don't get it. So the government, and like when your doctor isn't allowed to give you a personal health recommendation because the government dictates something, that's like a very dark feeling. But the the government wasn't allowing any medical exemptions unless I reacted to the first shot. Like even as I say that, I'm like, do you hear that? Like they're willing to risk my reaction. And there are definitely way more de- details to this story that I'm happy to meet for coffee online or in person and discuss. But what I wanted to tell you was how isolated and alone I felt this year. One of the biggest barriers around being in conversation with my podcast listeners was the judgment on this topic. And I felt like you would hate me if you knew I was one of the 6% in my province that chose not to accept the risk of taking this vaccine. I've never felt segregated in my life before. This was my first experience with that. And honestly, I learned to stay quiet, which I've probably never done in my life because I've always been open and honest. And I realized how much people aren't looking for my opinion. But something I also realized was that people are really curious about the way other people live their lives. And Sometimes when you do something, it gives people the freedom to do that same thing, whether it's take a job and walk away from your, not walk away from your family, but like be separated from your family. Or I know there were a lot of people that didn't want to take this vaccine. And then as all the Pfizer documents have been revealed, I have no regrets. I am so thankful that I stayed so strong, but I won't lie. There was a day in February of this year where I was booked to go get it. And I called to talk to the girl, um, at the booking clinic. And she literally said, don't do it, which once again, I was like, that is a pretty profound thing. I can't think of anyone at the booking clinic that would tell you don't come. Um, so I had so many little things happen that were just monumental over the, over the course of the year and a half or whatever it's been. But I think what I've learned is that all I was losing out on was life's comforts and I don't want to be a slave to my comforts. And, um, hearing people speak so openly and with so much hatred about the unvaccinated literally crushed me on a semi like rig, like very often I would say. And I didn't tell people and I would just sit there and then hear them say the most heinous things. And I think it made me so sad that I realized how quickly people could bend towards the dark and mean side of the coin. I am an educated person with the ability to critically think and make a choice for my body. And what I've come to realize is that I don't want to be silent about it. Like I said, after the fact, I'm most happy with my choice. Persevering under public and government scrutiny was very hard, but I would do it all over again because I won't risk my health for the approval of others. I read an awesome book about the pandemic called The Bodies of Others by Naomi Wolf. She's quite opposite in her viewpoints from me. She's a liberal journalist, feminist, and Democrat who worked on Clinton's administration. I believe that's the administration she worked on, and I highly recommend it. Um, it's a phenomenal book going through. This has shown me though, what I'm made of that sometimes being quiet is my best bet until it isn't. And that I can love people who say terrible things about those people, those people being me. I will continually step into challenging situations because all of these challenges have grown my tenacity. The book smarter, faster, better by Charles Duhigg. He wrote the, I think the power of habit He says, look to your own life as creative fodder and broker your own experiences into the wider world. I wanted to quit this podcast. I thought of my favorite podcast by Ed Milette and his book, The Power of One More, and how he just kept saying, go for one more day. I knew I loved the power of these conversations and the value that they give to people's lives. I love how we can normalize and laugh about hard things. I love how we get different perspectives. And because of this, we are always changed by hearing someone else's story. So I kept going for one more day and here we are at season three. The last two seasons of this podcast have been a blast to say the least. And for those of you thinking about starting one, you absolutely should because they are so much fun, but I love that I can share parts of my real life. And recently I had someone tell me that they achieved their dream job after initially talking about it when being interviewed on the podcast. Sometimes all it takes is hearing what someone else does to make us realize like, maybe I could do that. I think I could do that. And together, we've heard people share stories of challenge, sorrow, joy, and peace. And when I looked at the number of times this podcast had been played, which is just shy of 8,000, I started remembering who I am. I want to challenge you. I want to show you how to stand strong against situations that test your boundaries and your values. I want you to critically think about everything. I want you to weigh risk versus reward, and then sometimes just choose risk for the thrill of it. But mostly I want to teach you to challenge yourself and I want you to know that you are not alone. The juice is most certainly worth the squeeze. For a lot of people, it's hard to start something because we get lost in our minds. We make everything so hard and things that are normally a challenge and then you add in sorrow, insecurity, loneliness, and a real desire to hide and it's nearly impossible to take the next step. And when I thought about restarting this podcast, it was daunting I had changed so much in the last year, and honestly, I thought my audience wouldn't resonate with where I was at. I battled with rejection, and I would love to say that I was never one to sit on the floor in the dark and cry and survive off of blueberries and Doritos, but I did that at 23 after a breakup, and I certainly did that again during this last year. Those are the best accidental weight loss plans of your life, but I never want to do it again. But what I've realized is this all says a lot about my grit. This speaks highly about my stubbornness, and this means that I have something in me that can give you the courage to stick it out with whatever your hot topic, hot button item is. If it's your kids, if it's your marriage, I don't know what you need to stand up for. But we want to see people go against the grain, and sometimes we need to be the ones who go against the grain. We need to know what other people have done, and I think being pressed for a long period of time produces a higher level of grit. With that being said, though, I'm not going to focus on politics this year. As everyone knows, I really love to, um, I have a lot of thoughts about government and things like that. And I think honestly, I never paid attention, um, prior to this pandemic and the more attention I've paid, the more appalled I have been, but I don't want to talk about that on here because I don't, I know politics are polarizing and I don't want to separate myself from you. I want to be, um, I want this to be a podcast where, no matter what your viewpoint is, you're challenged in a good way and inspired. And um, as this world changes and evolves and it doesn't match my values and beliefs, I want to teach people to lean on God and to try to love people. And I want to work to forgive. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Because we all have areas of our life where we need to exercise forgiveness. And um, Romans 5, 3-5 to says, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This verse is um, was has has been a monumental verse in my whole life, and so we're going to keep looking at perseverance. But to tell you some exciting things about season three, um. I am going to co-host this show with Lindsay Reed a couple times a month. Lindsay is my friend since college. She's married to one of my favorite people, Dan Reed. He's a singer songwriter and they live in Nashville with their two boys. Lindsay owns river city events and, um, the Reed event house. And she's just like a super hilarious, vulnerable, honest person about her struggles and everything. And I just, and she's funny. She's so funny. She's my kind of funny. Um, I've had a dream for a long time of having a radio show with someone, and so we are going to try that this year. We're going to discuss careers, personal development, parenting, good food, hormones, weight loss, I've actually lost 20 pounds as of today and I've really told no one about it, but I'm pretty excited to share that this year. Um, We're going to talk about wealth. um, We're going to talk about imposter syndrome. We're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about grief and everything that comes up. And we're going to talk really openly about life and we're going to laugh a lot. So I'm excited that you tuned in today. I am so honored that you would come and spend your time here. Once again, as always, um, send me a DM if this resonated with you or if you want to talk further. And I'm so glad that you're back. And I'm thankful you took the time. I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you so much for spending your time here with the More Jody podcast today. I am so thankful that you came along and listened to this episode. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review. Share this with a friend. It would mean so much to me. And have an awesome day. Go be the change that you want to see in this world.